1: And so John records to us the words of Jesus, who reveals that the basic source of all life is God the Father, and that God the Father has granted God the Son to also have life in himself. All of creation receives its life from outside of itself. But the Lagos derives his life from within himself. He doesn't depend on anything else for life.
0: And we're back with another broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. It features the teaching of Pastor Layton Sheely. He's in the book of John again, and I hope you can follow along today. If you'd like to know more about this ministry, you'll find the details on the website, studyversebyverse.com, or the church's website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout, and here's Pastor
1: Layton. So if we were to summarize then the meaning of verse one, we could say Jesus Christ is the eternally preexistent word who enjoys full face-to-face communion and divine life with the Father and is himself God. Verse two, he was in the beginning with God. Now, John doesn't add anything new in this verse, but he makes two points that are repeated from verse 1, and therefore he's trying to make sure that it's emphasized, and we understand it's important. First off, the eternity of the word is not to be overlooked or minimized. It's important. And the fact that one might be said to be with another clearly differentiates and distinguishes them. Now, it doesn't suggest there's any disharmony. In fact, John points us to the fact that there is perfect unity in which the Godhead is joined. God is the God of unity. God loves unity. He loves unity in marriage. He loves unity in families. He loves unity in churches. He loves unity in community. God is the God of unity. Verse 3, "...all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made." Now, it's not an accident that John goes straight from his statement about the relationship between the Word and God to the phenomenon of creation. Because the self-revelation of God, the self-communication of God, occurs first in creation. God revealed himself through creation. The Apostle Paul, another apostle, also references creation as... in the things that have been made, and so they are without excuse. So what the Apostle Paul says is God's eternal power and His divine nature were revealed in creation. Now I want you to observe something carefully here. John makes the assertion that all things were created through Him. He doesn't say by Him, he says through Him. And you'll notice that the writer of the book of Hebrews also says the same thing. Hebrews begins, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Did you hear that? Through whom he also created the world. It's also through Christ that God created, according to the Apostle Paul, when he writes uh, Colossians. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, and the writer of Hebrews all say that all things were made through him. And what he's underscoring to us here is that the Father is the source of all things, and the creation was not a solitary act of of either one, but it was both of them at work together. The Father created, but he did it through the Word. He did it through the Son. Verse 3 then also says, and without him was not anything made that was made. One of the characteristics of John's writing is that he will sometimes make a statement twice. He'll make it first in the positive form, and then he'll turn around and he'll say it again in the negative form. And that's what we find here. Uh, The second expression is emphatic. So you might say, uh, without him, there was not even one single thing made. So the whole of creation is included in one broad sweep. There's nothing outside of his activity. Now, by stressing the role of Jesus in creation, John is countering a false teaching that was uh, true, it was uh, popular at that time and, and even grew in popularity thereafter, uh, a teaching called uh, Gnosticism. Uh, the Gnostics believed in a ph- philosophical dualism that was common in Greek philosophy. That spirit was good and matter was evil, and they, they tried to make sense out of that. They said, "Wait a minute, God is good, and God created, but this world isn't good. How can that? How can we figure that out?" And they didn't have the benefit of the of the scriptures. You see, we, with the benefit of the Scriptures, know why that is, why God is good and why creation isn't. God, who is good, created creation, who is also good. But creation was no longer good after the man and his wife chose to eat the forbidden fruit and thereby introduced evil into this world. Now, we know that because of the Scriptures, the Greek philosophers didn't know that. They didn't have the scripture. So they were trying to make sense out of it. And this is the theory they came up with, that God, who is perfect, uh, created these emanations from him that eventually deteriorated. And one of the emanations got to the point that it was not perfect. And that was the one that created this world. And that's how they figured out how to explain why God is good and this world is not. So John here rejects that view as heresy, and he affirms that Jesus Christ is the Father's agent in everything that's created. Now, this present world, we we need to be reminded that this present world is radically different from God's original creation. The catastrophic results of Adam and Eve's decision not only affect the human race, but they affect all of creation. And that's what the Apostle Paul reveals to us in Romans chapter 8. It says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. What's going to happen when the sons of God is revealed? Well, that's going to coincide with Jesus Christ's return. And when Jesus Christ returns, he's going to make all things new again. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility... Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So even creation is looking forward to God coming back and making all things new again. Isaiah chapter 6 tells us that when the curse is lifted, Jesus Christ comes back, he makes all things new, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Now picture that for a moment. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. Dwell means live with, not eat. Okay? The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat, a calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. And the cow and the bear will graze together. Their young will lie down together. They're all going to be friends. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. Now, last I checked, most lions like meat, (laughs) particularly fresh meat. So this kind of reminds me of Bruce the Vegetarian Shark in Finding Nemo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fish are our friends, not food. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. It's going to completely change its metabolism and desires. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then later in chapter 65 of Isaiah, he writes, The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. The serpent never seems to get a break, does he? Dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Now, when I was a child, I used to dream about having a pet lion. I thought it'd be so neat to walk around with this huge lion by my side. I, it might have been because I thought the bullies would think twice before messing with me. You know, I have a problem with bullies, but praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that there aren't going to be any bullies in heaven. Praise the Lord. In him was life. Now, the word that John uses here is the word zoe, which refers to spiritual life, as distinct from bios, uh, which refers to physical life, biology, the study of life. And here, as in chapter 5, verse 26, it uh, refers primarily to Christ having life within himself. Uh, Theologians refer to this as self-existence, and that's another evidence of Christ's deity, because only God is self-existent. In John five twenty six, the apostle wrote, For as the Father hath life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And so John records to us the words of Jesus, who reveals that the basic source of all life is God the Father, and that God the Father has granted God the Son to also have life in himself. All of creation receives its life from outside of itself. But the Logos derives his life from within himself. He doesn't depend on anything else for life. There was a point at which the universe did not exist. However, there has never been a point at which the Logos did did not exist. He is the self-existent one, the I am who I am, the everlasting to everlasting. Now, Acts seventeen twenty eight says, In Him we live and move and have our being. In other words, we live in Him. In, if we're not in Him, we no longer can live or move or have our being. Our life comes from Him. But He has always lived, He's always moved, and He always had, has always been.
0: Pastor Layton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, is our teacher on this broadcast called Study Verse by Verse an Outreach of the Church, And he'll come back with more from the book of John tomorrow.
1: So the theme of perpetual conflict between light and darkness is found in this gospel. It's also found elsewhere. In this gospel, in 319, we are told that people's condemnation is because they love darkness rather than light. In 1235, we're called to walk while we have the light, lest darkness overtake us or overcome us. 1246, Jesus came into the world as a light so that whoever believes in Him should not stay in darkness. There's this constant theme of the conflict between light and dark.
0: I hope you can join us on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse. You can find out more about us on the web at studyversebyverse.com or for the church, highlands.us. Or if it's easier for you to call, the number is 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout, looking forward to having you back tomorrow at this same time as we open the Word of God once again to the book of John and study verse by verse.